everyone. Welcome to the first animation one-to-ones of 2024, the podcast series brought to you by Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. This is Ben Mitchell, Editor-in-Chief at Squiggly, bringing you a fantastic chat between site contributor Mel Sionko and Brett Parker, director of the Oscar-shortlisted animated film Pete. With over 25 years of experience at Pixar Animation Studios, Brett has animated on some absolute classics, such as Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, and Ratatouille, moving on to Animation Tools lead on projects including Brave, Monsters University, and Inside Out. Following her recent feature-length documentary, Through the Windows, Brett more recently directed the animated short Pete, which has screened at such prestigious events as Tribeca and Annecy, and is based on the mid-70s gender identity journey via Little League Baseball of a partner, Pete Barmer, who also joins the interview and co-wrote the film. A simultaneously personal yet crucially relatable story of being true to oneself and the tremendous value of familial and outside support, the film was produced through the pair's own Art Farm Productions, an artist collaborative that described themselves as being dedicated to bringing diverse stories from underrepresented voices to light. So let's hand it over to Mel to learn more about Pete from Brett Parker and Pete Barmer. What this short touches on, the idea of gender and the idea of uh, trying to figure yourself out and not only that but also already having yourself figured out and going through the process of getting used to that new environment uh, I was gonna ask that basically there are a lot of moments in a life of somebody who's trans or not when they are trying to figure themselves out where they're going through the challenges and kind of just finding themselves in the world so out of all the moments on Pete's life, because it's a story based on true life, so out of all the moments on Pete's life, why specifically choose this approach with baseball? Well, it's interesting because we Pete is the consummate storyteller, um, and this is a story that they have told many, many times. And... Um, and but the more we talked about it and the more we talked about it in terms of a story, we realized that this this is really a story that has so much to do about acceptance and change, um, which can cross like many spectrums. Um, and it it is a true story and it happened in this moment within the world of baseball. And the other thing about baseball is that it is something that is universal and worldwide. And so that this then becomes a story that is not only personal, but it's universal and hopefully crosses many spectrums that people can access and it makes it an accessible story um, that people can listen to and, and enjoy and and learn from and in that way doesn't maybe put people off the way hard subjects sometimes can but the short still kept itself very realistic to the times uh i specifically with the with the lack of like gender neutral language and the acceptance that all the characters have towards female and male stereotypes even like Pete trying to even replicate some of the male stereotypes, which I found very endearing. Uh, so how were you able to go with this truthful approach, but still at the end, give it kind of a positive spin to the story? You want to take that one? I, I mean, to be honest, that was one of the easier um, aspects because it, it's kind of how it unfolded naturally in the story. I, you know, I ended up playing for three more, four more years. Um, 
And so I think for us, the positive, you know, we've been dinged on it a little bit. Like not everybody loves the positive ending. You know, people are like, uh, you know, it's, it wraps up too, too neatly sometimes. Um, but for us, that, that's kind of how it occurred. Um, in the end of the day, you know, once the, the grumbles, you know, subsided and people had to deal with it, the law, the law actually had changed in 1975 for baseball. Um, there was a Supreme Court case that was lost by baseball. They were fighting, allowing um, uh, cis female players to play. Um, so they really didn't have a choice in the end. Uh, so those people kind of had to be quiet um, because they had no, they'd had no recourse. Um, and then everybody else that you saw, like coach and mom and friends, kind of were cool about everything, and everything worked out that way. That way, I mean, at least for the next couple of years. Also talking about that, the 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 response, the at least the adult response in the later years. At least in the short during that during that decade, uh, it was mostly conflictive and mostly uh, negative, as you just told. And it's just for me that was kind of the highlight. And it was for me when I watched the short because basically most of the conflict came from the adults' prejudice, not from none none came from the children's. And that I again I found that as kind of like the best when I was watching it, one of the best parts, because I was like, the children are not asking why is your name P? They're not asking why are you playing when you shouldn't be playing? It mostly comes from the adults. So why was the decision behind like the conflict and the story being told through it coming from the adults' prejudice? That was a point that was really important for us to like underline and to for for that to come across because that was not only the truth then but we find often Pete is a teacher and we find often today that children at their best when children are left alone there isn't that judgment there isn't that's taught I don't believe that children are born with that um sort of conditioning they they truly didn't care and and so it was really important to to underline that it the children were always supportive of pete um in that moment and it was the adults who were taken aback and were not prepared to have a girl be playing on their team and be playing baseball with their sons um and that so that was where the rub was that day and the adults were the ones with the issue um, around Pete being a girl. So like most of the short is based on the actual true events. Yeah. 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 And it does feel like that rings true today, right? Like so often the adults are the ones who have an issue with gender identity and are, are less accepting from the get go where children are much more open. They're much more open from the get go um around i mean diversity in general i would argue um and that is something that is that again comes with conditioning in society that trains them to be negative i mean i you know people will have different opinions on this matter but that is where the basis of this came from for the film and it was based on the true events that occurred in pete's life and maybe Pete, you can answer more of this question, but sometimes uh, the short film, uh, short films in general, maybe movies, uh, take the the that based in real life. They take 
a little bit of a distance between the real life aspect of it and the screenplay. Like they still keep it fictional, but Pete was very much you narrating not only the story, but also acting as the main character and showing that this was you even cutting in the middle of the film to show like real life footage. And then at the end, a picture of yourself when you were younger. So, and even like your mom is voices, the mom character, which I, I found out later. I was like, that's very cool. So what was the decision behind making it so close to the real life events? You know, I don't know exactly what the, I mean, we, we probably never thought about making it too fictional. There's certainly things we play with and we push and, um, you know, my mom yells at us to this day because she says she would never drive my father's car. and That was his car in the movie. So little things like that. But I, I think it would just it didn't feel necessary in this in this situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, And it really we wanted to kind of. You know, that was 1975 and we're, we're, we're still having these uh, conversations in 2023. If anything, it's ramping up. Um you know, there was a hopefulness that a, a little bit, I think when people think we buttoned it up so fast and everybody was like, yay, uh, what they forget is that then time kept moving and, and things aren't aren't very great right now for um, this community in general. Um, I mean, I'm from Florida and Florida has, you know, one law after another being put down, um, anti-trans laws, anti-LGBTQ. So, for anybody that thinks we we wrapped this up and made it like a sweet story, forgets that you know we've we have not moved very far forward. Even though you, we can feel like we have, like we're married and we have all these things that we didn't once have, but uh, here we are still fighting this this same exact fight. Um, and I think one thing we really wanted to come across was that this that what kids are going through today and what's happening today is not the first. This is not that kids today can stand on the shoulders of the people who came before them, who have been going through this before there was language around gender identity and before there was conversation. And so to be able to show this in the in the context of 1975 and what that looked like then, um, I think sort of gives access yeah. to and people today a lot of arguments we hear today is that because of the out um the acceptance of the lgbtq community and because of teachers being out and you know you name it that suddenly there's more kids you know <laughs> being exposed and then coming out as trans or identifying as non-binary and like i'm like yeah no i think that we've always been here um it's another misnomer we have these own arguments with people in our family at times like oh it's all because of you know all this out stuff that's happening now kids are you know and when we want to just show them they're just feeling more comfortable and hopefully more safe you know to to you know be on that journey um in a little more public fashion so so did you always intended for pete to be kind of ambiguous about its idea of gender because again it's not really we are not really told the audience oh yeah no, she's transgender or anything because it doesn't really matter if she's if she is or not in at least in the story. And were you always like kind of like going with that route? 
Yeah, because in 1975, there was no language around gender identity. And so we really wanted to position this at that time. And the the significant moment for Pete is that Pete's name was their identity. And that the mom still as accepting as the mom was for Pete, um, Pete was still her daughter. And so because there wasn't language, she accepted Pete playing ball and Pete dressing as a boy and Pete taking their name as Pete. But in the mom's eyes, Pete was also still her daughter. And so it's this interesting dichotomy. And I think it really helps to leave it like that because that's the way it was. And it was 1975. And, and that has shaped the path that, Pete has taken the rest of their life. And Pete, actually, I wanted to ask this. How did your mom react when you told her that she would be voicing herself for this short film? Oh, my gosh. I mean, she was a little <laughs> nervous at first. She still lives in the house that's in the, you know, where I grew up. And uh, so luckily, Brett's great with her. She's a little bit of a, she's 80, going to be 83. So she's a little bouncy and uh, jumps around a lot. So Brett you know, did a great job when once she got her into it, um, you know, she fully thinks she's a star right now. So <laughs> she's a superstar. <laughs> she is very excited. We don't pop that. We don't, yeah. <laughs> so she reacted very well to the final product. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yes, yeah. yes. She cries a lot. <laughs> she was so cute. I have to tell the story because we recorded her in her closet. Closets actually make great recording studios. And um but I knew that she couldn't, um, like, I didn't have a full setup. I just had a mic that, I, and I knew she couldn't hold it because she would fidget with it and, like, make all kinds of noise. So I we would talk through the, you know, what I wanted her to say. And I let her, we talked through the intent of what I wanted her to say. I didn't make her say specific lines. Like, we would talk it through. And then I'd be like, okay, are you ready? And she'd be like, yeah. And then I would hold the mic to her. And she would say the lines. And then we would do several takes. And we'd keep going through it that way. But she had the best time. Yeah, she had a great She time. was so cute. And she would try to hold really still and put her hands down. And then they would start coming up. And but it was really a adorable yeah everywhere we go now she's she likes to say that's my that's my daughter how was it Pete for you to relieve not only your childhood through the production but also see the final product and what did in the making of the final product did you rethink about your childhood oh my god it was hard it's so hard um what it was uh, you know, I stand in front of kids all day long. I, I've been a teacher for forever. And so I'm not normally very shy or withdrawn. Um, but suddenly, you know, when some story we've told a million times is on the screen or Brett's asking me to to do those lines, um, it was really emotional. And uh, it's it hasn't gotten any easier. It depends on the audience. It's actually a little easier with strangers. Um but whenever there's an audience where I know people or I feel so vulnerable uh, to kind of go back, um, you know, I'm 57 now. So to go back to that time, it was a really wonderful time, but it's amazing what you kind of squish down um, and doing a project like this brings, brings a lot back up things you, you, you kind of forgotten about or, you know, moved on with. And so it was a really 
was a super emotional journey. It still is. So I, I pretty much cry every time I watch it. So. <laughs> did the did rewatching the short make you rethink about events or maybe about yourself in any way? Mm. Yeah. Well, well we're, we're continuing to write a feature, so um, Brett continues to push me and make me make Pete grow up and go through. Um, you know, it it made me remember those were probably the some of the best times uh, to identify as Pete. Um, elementary school is kind of a it's kind of a utopian. like a utopian world I lived in. Uh, it was really lovely, and you know, unfortunately, that you know, middle school shows up, and so things don't always you know, junior high and middle school um, things aren't always the same. So life changed pretty drastically. Um, you know, with, with these identities and stuff after that, uh, that time period. So for me, it was like remembering how lovely it was and then how it wasn't as easy as, as time, as time went on. The short also has something that I quite found endearing with, with some of that I've seen recently. And that's like a storybook style to it. And I think mm -hmm. yours take it a little bit further where you actually like have like the borders that blend into the page and you have like the pen the pencil style to the to the sales and everything so uh why did you take this approach to styling the short so i was really inspired by the ink and watercolor illustrations from winnie the pooh and i really wanted and which is a book that we you know grew up with as kids and and then later, also the beautiful prints of Calvin and Hobbes watercolors. Um, and I really wanted to marry the story with the look. And I felt that that did it by going more for an ink and watercolor look and doing the vignetting, which really storybooks it. It brings it back to me both as a childhood story and a memory. And I felt like those elements of the look really helped support that in the story. So that's why I decided to do that. Also, another thing, congrats, which is amazing, is the fact that the short was made in collaboration with the Pixar Cooperative Project Program. So, how was how was it like to not only receive the support but also the backing for this kind of project? Well, it was amazing. So, the I have been a Pixar, am a Pixar employee, and they have this cooperative program, which basically, if you have an idea for a film, you can present it to them. And as long as they okay it, you're allowed to access the resources, both the software um, and technology, as well as most importantly, the people. And then everything has to happen on your own time. So it's both the most amazing opportunity and the hardest yeah. aspect of, the, of making a film. Because you, ha everyone is volunteering their time. You have to put together, you do everything yourself. You have to put together the whole crew. You have to, you know, it's really hard to ask people who have been working like an eight to 12 hour day to, and they volunteered to, 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 to be on your film, but you're like, well, can you, you know, volunteer a little faster? Um, can you <laughs> volunteer a couple more hours on your weekend? You know, it's like, how do you, how do you sort of like keep the energy of the project moving forward and respect the amazing talent that you're working with? Um, and honestly, we couldn't have made the film without 
no. the support of the cooperative and the incredible talent that not only animated it, but created the look, helped create the look. You know, ink and watercolor is not like a Pixar wheelhouse. It's not something that they do. And so that was one, technically one of the hardest challenges was to create the look of the film. And we had to develop all our own pipeline and and everyone was just giving it their all. It was truly a labor of love and it was really amazing. Yeah, we can't ever, we will never be able to thank them enough. I mean, they, they you know, working all day and then working on our film at night, every night you know, for a couple of years is a lot to ask. And this is the second time we've asked them to yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> we've done this before to them. <laughs> this is the second time you asked them. Um, well, we directed a lot, actually a documentary, um, a feature length documentary a few years ago in 2019, also through the, the co-op. Co so, um, so that was our first film, and then Pete was this. But that was live action. So uh, Pete's okay. the first animated film that we made through the cooperative. So nice. And um, the support outside of Pixar, outside the big names, the small support, the um, the support from either the LGBT community or even friends and family when they seen your short. How has them been like for the past few months? It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a. a I mean, we've been traveling around film festivals for quite a while um, now with Pete. And, you know, honestly, we keep waiting for, I don't know, people to tire of us and tire of, but this work's been incredible. And the, the recently, like the LGBTQ community has really, um, through publications and stuff, has really come out and, and been super supportive of the film. Um we can't. We honestly can't ask for for more from the both our own community, our family, and and our our chosen family. But uh, you know, as things start to ramp up, you know, really getting a lot of lovely, um, you know, votes of confidence and well wishes, and also, you know, taking it places like this and having conversations for the first time. Well, an amazing support within the local um, film community here oh, yeah. through like Frameline and um, SF, film. SF Film, as well as um, this woman, Jenny Olson, who is a local filmmaker in her own right and has been outspokenly supportive of us um, in the LGBTQ plus community. And we just can't say more for the support that we've received yeah. from from all of from all of them. It's been it's been kind of overwhelming. <laughs> it's been amazing. Well, I don't think you got enough because now you are in the second stage of being shortlisted and nominated for an Oscar, which massive <laughs> congratulations. Were you expecting that kind of recognition when you were making the film and when you finish it? No. no. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, I'm just hoping to get in a film festival. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's amazing because it, we started so much just focusing on, OK, we really hope, you know, we would have our hearts set on different festivals. We premiered at Tribeca, which was just incredible, amazing experience. They have also been so supportive throughout our festival process. And then, you know, like we were we were so excited to get into Annecy and that was so exciting. And when we were first up for consideration, that that was so exciting. I was so nervous about that. And so then to make this round, it's just, again, is mind blowing. Um, every step along the way, it's been sort of overwhelming and exciting yeah. and nervous making and all the things, all the, all the feelings. Yeah. 
I mean, filmmaking, is, well, viewing is so subjective too. Like you'll have all these really high moments and then you'll get rejected from like five festivals. And it just really has been a really interesting uh, process. So the ups and downs of, of getting here um, have been pretty yeah, it's just pretty amazing, pretty emotional, and and at times taxing. You're like, where? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing with this? But here we are. So yeah, and I will say it is a dream come true. Um, yeah, for sure, for her. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm finding I'm finding very very surprising. I'm very heartwarming how stories about identity and gender are beginning to catch the eye of well, the bigger side of this media and it's catching the eye of the industry and and features and awards and everything. So are you hopeful for the future of this kind of like diverse stories? Yeah, I mean, I think Nimona is also a testament to that. Um, it's so exciting to see that film doing so well and getting the credit it totally deserves. Um, we, as Pete said, are writing a feature now as we speak, um, a coming of age queer story, and intend to continue to write um, and with the hope that, you know, there is more and more space for, for gender identity stories and queer stories and, you know, just more diverse stories in general being in the, in the, big media in the public eye well i think you two work amazingly together so i cannot wait to see that feature uh, or whatever it comes out of the mind of the two of you it's gonna be amazing and yeah i really it's gonna be spectacular so please show us more okay show us more of you <laughs> we will we would love to yeah Thank you to Mel Sionko for bringing us that chat with Brett Parker and Pete Barmer. You can find out more about the film at PeteTheFilm.com and ArtFarmProductions.com. You can also follow Mel at Mel Sionko on Instagram. And for all the animation goodness we can throw at you, be sure to follow us on Instagram at SquigglyAnimation, Facebook.com slash SquigglyMagazine, and we're also at Squiggly on uh, X. The website, of course is squiggly.com. I've been Ben Mitchell. Until we meet again, happy animating. <laughs>